0: This is going to kind of give a little disclaimer. So um, my name is Robert Perez. This is my wife Liz Perez. If you like that topic, just keep swimming is a great topic for just navigating through ministry if you're discouraged or whatever it is, wherever you're at. The metaphor for today is don't give up, just keep swimming, okay? If you're in a conservative church or
1: you a know, progressive church, wherever you're at, you still have to find a way that God is going to bless you in the niche that you're at. So Liz, did you want? To yeah, give And a wherever story? you are in life, not just in the church, because not everybody is in leadership anywhere in the church, but a lot of times in your life. So think about that. So initially, okay, so our just keep swimming first Peter kind of evolved from Genesis to other scriptures. but we ended up camping out here because our purpose and focus here is just to encourage God's church. Okay. So with that in mind?
0: Bob's story. So, um, if you're ever going to swim around the pier um, and make an attempt on at Ventura Pier, which I did last summer with my wife Liz, because my son, grandson Asher is in, what was it? Uh,
1: junior lifeguard.
0: Junior lifeguard. Life their last day to graduate, they give this students or the swimmers, the junior lifeguards, a chance to swim around the pier. And they invite the parents. So I go, let's do it. So, if you're ever going to attempt to swim the pier, don't try it unless you're fully convinced you're going to make it. Okay, so here's my story. We got there. I was all excited. Had the wetsuits. Put on fins. Uh, fins on. And uh, I remember it felt tight, a little too tight, you know. And anyway, so uh, they grouped us into four groups. You had the A group. Those were the elite swimmers. It's like a marathon. They put them first because They were going to just take off. Then you had the B group, which were like maybe middle schoolers. They were still good swimmers. And they wanted; to, they weren't as fast as the other guys or girls, and they would be behind them. So I was kind of sizing up the groups. I go, no, I'm not in the A group. I'm not in the big group. Then you had the C group, which was the group with a lot of the parents with the littler swimmers. There were some junior lifeguards, or probably middle school, maybe fourth, fifth, sixth grade, and they looked really small, and their parents were with them. And then you had the real the last group, the D group, which I, I remember seeing some people look like kids that were six years old. And I said, well, I don't think I want to go in that group. So I said, I'm going to go in between the C group and the and the D group. And so me and this, I remember they said, like, ready, go and everyone runs. You forget your adrenaline's pumping, like doing a 5K, and you forget your heart's pumping. And that's very important when you swim that you get a handle of your breathing technique when it's cold. And then you get in and get shot. So I jumped in, and my wife was in front of me, and I saw her, but I had these big pins, so I was walking backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I, got, and I I lost this from the get go. And so I went down, I was halfway down the pier when I got a flashback to what happened to me at Camp Chaloniki just three weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. So I'm 61 years old, and when we went to Camp Chaloniki, one of the classes they had, all the old guys either take um, first aid. Or you can actually take a class on getting a certificate to be a lifeguard. Oops, it switch? I'll move back. Oh. Okay. I got it. And uh, I decided <clears throat> I want to get my certificate. But the problem was we were in the Sierras and the altitude. And I used to practice 20 laps a day at YMC down here. I couldn't swim 10 laps and I couldn't breathe. And the hardest thing to do was me to admit to the five or six students who were there that I could not breathe. So I went up to the guy that was running it, and I whispered to him, I said, I can't breathe. There's no way I'm gonna make it. He goes, give yourself a rest and try it again. I got out, and then, you know, it's a little dark. I was embarrassed, and I said, okay, I can breathe a little better. I jumped back in, I lasted one lap. So I had to do a walk off the pier, the walk of shame. I said, all you guys that are here, please put your head down and mourn with me as I (laughs) walk. So I'm halfway in the pier. Those flashbacks came in, my mind. and this is what I said to myself: This is the dumbest decision I ever made in my life. Um, I didn't learn a lesson from what just happened just three weeks earlier. Earlier, I remember I was defeated, I was discouraged, and I decided right then what am i going to do. And I looked back, and I was halfway to the end, and I was halfway to go.
1: Yeah, so my story's a little bit like Bob's, too. It had to do with water. Um, this was when we were, when I was, when Bob and I were first married, we would go on little family trips. Family trips back then were more vacationing at a campsite or a lake or something like that. This time I thought we were really supposed We went to a lake with other people. Loved it. It was a really, really nice, nice lake. And again, this lake was so attractive looking as you drove in off the mountainside. You're going to see... Boats. You're going to see a big, a big dock where people were jumping off and swimming. There were boats pulling jet skiers, and I thought, man, this is so cool. The weather was great. So all of our family had decided um, that we were going to. Go and swim together, and I thought, perfect. We can do this. We can swim, Bob. You make sure the kids don't drown, and we're great, right? So, anyways, I start. I I'm a little lagging behind. They're already in the water, and I'm like, okay, I'm going. I gotta go. So, like Bob says, you know, you've got to equip yourself and get ready for this water bit. And I thought, well, I'm completely confident. I can do it. I started swimming and started swimming and just swimming. And these boats that were buzzing by. We're causing a current and causing this water to pull us back, to pull me back. And I'm like just swimming and like (sighs) getting tired. And then I like stopped, you know, and I'm like, you know, where am I at? I'm like, wow, I still have to go that far. And I look back and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's that far. I was like smack dab in the middle and I was starting to feel like, okay, I love jogging. I love running, but I can stop and walk whenever I got tired. I couldn't do that in the lake and that panicked me. At that point, I realized, like, oh my gosh, I am going to die. Nobody is watching where I'm at. Nobody even knows I'm in this water. I'm looking around and nobody's paying attention. Nobody, no, you're not even, you didn't notice I was in the water. (laughs) Nobody noticed I was in the water. So, anyways, at this point, I'm already thinking, I'm not gonna watch my kids grow up. They're not gonna see me and they're gonna find out where's mom and they're gonna be dragging the lake the next day. That's what I had sheer fear that entered my life. So what was going on was fear and I was discouraged. I was thinking, okay, maybe I should yell, but I couldn't even do that. I was completely panicking and thinking, this is not gonna end well. So when you look at my anxiety, my fears, and just knowing the discouragement that I have, I think of today's problems in life and I think there's a lot of us today who are camping out in these sites that are also experiencing um, discouragement. You know, people can become so accustomed to our daily routines that sometimes you don't even know you're in this one spot and you're screaming and looking for help. We see unemployment rises today. We see how COVID has affected so many people in their jobs. I mean I've seen people who had really thriving jobs now unemployed and I feel their feel I feel how they I feel their hearts and anguish and now even those with it with The cost of, you know, just inflation, gas itself. You know, I see like my daughter, like I can't go there because I can't afford the gas to take that extra, you know, know, drive out. And in homelessness, you see that rising. I volunteered two times a week at a homeless shelter. And at first I thought, well, gosh, these homeless people are there because they do drugs. What a misconception Mm. of what my thoughts are to what people who live there. I've... I've got to pray with so many beautiful families with kids, and they're looking for those stable jobs so that they can move out. And it's a neat, It's a really neat victory when they do get that opportunity and they do uh, go out. And then, of course, you know, my gosh, the idea of being married to that one person for the rest of your life. And when things don't work out, when disillusions come in separation and you're like sitting in this one place thinking, I thought that was my one forever wife and now she's gone or he's gone. Man, discouragement really sets in. You know, do you even want to proceed and go on with life? And not to mention, I work at a middle school, and I see the kids today, you know, just struggling with school, you know, coming back from COVID. That was hard. Oh, my gosh, I tell everybody, this is the post-COVID era with our kids. But you see kids being bullied and poor grades, and they don't want to come to school anymore by either getting bullied or because they have these poor grades. And not to mention world's crisis and politics. You know, that's another thing that's caused people to get really discouraged. And the sad thing, too, you know, we've lost some really dear loved ones. And I'm sure all of you have, you know, COVID hit really hard. And we have people that we thought were going to sit with us. I thought, man, wouldn't it be great if we can laugh about this at the end? But I don't think many people are laughing about the losses that have encountered. Um, So now, yeah, we also have these church issues. And Bob's going to talk about that.
0: Okay, so did you see the F? That was me at Pepperdine my first semester.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just let you know. But I did get off academic probation, and I had to
0: take Jesus the Christ as a non-Christian. So <laughs> anyway, finances. There I am, the preacher in the church. Two weeks ago, a lady comes to me as I'm coming out of the church, and I can't say names, but um, she confronted me. and said, who gave you permission to take two Sundays off? And I said, well, it was my anniversary last week, and I talked to the elders. Well, you didn't ask me. And then she says, "Well, I didn't give you permission." And then I said, "Well, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna ask for permission, you're gonna have to pay me more because a third of my income comes from the state of California for being a teacher." And we're just arguing in the foyer, and then I realized there's a group of people. <laughs> so you get, in fine, you get in debate sometimes, and I just I didn't catch myself. And so I was this guy, and that was going on in the foyer <laughs> in church. Um, but I'm a calmer guy now. Okay. <laughs> worship styles. At least when we were growing up, you know the worship. I'm mean, in I, Santa Paula is a joke. I used to uh, be in a prayer group with some other men from other churches, and they go, "Oh, there's a guy from the Church of Christ. Put play the guitars backwards, you know." So they would, you know, <laughs> much, you know joke, uh, preaching all that. And then the women's role. You're at Pepperdine, so you know you're getting pushed in all these areas. And, uh, anyways, I'm just very grateful that. Um, my wife is my team today because of that. I just wanted to show that. So, And then cultural differences. You know, I'm Hispanic, I grew up in the United States, but I'm an American, so Christmas is beautiful. But you have Hispanics that are Catholics that come from Mexico, and then all of a sudden you have a, 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 basically a Christmas potluck, and they decorate the tables with Santa Claus and processing the snowman. You walk in church at the potluck, and one of the Spanish guys, well, what if you're not again, if you're Jesus wasn't born on Christmas, and what's he doing there? Mm-hmm. And I go, who is that? He goes, it's Ombre de nieve. Mm-hmm. And I go, man of snow? Ombre de nieve? No. Oh, Frosty the snowman. <laughs> okay, here. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Cultural differences. So, um, I looked up and I was really thinking about it, this. Yeah. I'm um, not. I, I
1: could go on to the next. Oh, I just want to kind of make a comment, just bounce okay. off yours. So, so, when you think about the church, we think that the church is a place that there are no problems, right? You're, everything's bliss and happy. You know, when a person found out that I was married to a preacher, a minister, they're like, wow, you must have a lot of like joy and laughter and singing and your praise, you know? And I'm like, you know, I think that's quite the difference because I think Satan wants to put his ugly head into our churches. He wants to separate anything that God has created. So even in marriages, when you think that, okay, wow, it's going to be perfect, but we know that the enemy is trying to split us together, and we have to combat it. So Bob's going to continue here.
0: If you notice,
1: there's Bob and Liz on the
0: slide. So (laughs) discouragement. Um, I looked it up just online. I said, what is discouragement? You know, and think about the swimming. I was in the middle of that pier thing, and I was discouraged, and I was worried. I'm 61 years old, and I'm worried. Loss of confidence or enthusiasm, dispiritedness. You feel like you want to give up. You may be in here or come from a church situation, situation where this is your interlude, that you need to be energized. And Pepperdine has always been that to me. That's why I've come to these lectures since 1983. I did convert to Christ, you know, so the BC days, I became AD, Man of dominant. So although discouragement is a form of attack from Satan, and this is the biblical definition that I saw online, God can redeem any discouraging circumstances and bring blessings to a person who is discouraged as that individual seeks God for deliverance. And here's the great thing that relates to 1 Peter, and this is gonna give that text. The biggest benefit of suffering through a time of discouragement is that it confirms our need for God.
1: So when you look at our world and our issues today, now let's take a look back. Let's set our mind in what's going on and put our hearts back and see what Scripture is doing what they're doing. So Peter would address similar situations going on with, with, the, non, with the Gentile Christians back in those days. So 1 Peter reads, 1.7, says that these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, which perishes even through refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ has been revealed. In order to go from discouragement to encouragement, one must understand Peter's circumstances. So, who is Peter? I hope you guys appreciate this picture. I love The Chosen. If you haven't watched that series yet, you gotta watch it. So, so we get to look at Peter, right? We know that Peter's one of the first three. He's a fisherman, right? Along with James and John, Zebedee brothers, right? in obviously you know when you get to see him in the chosen you know he's definitely a man of adventure he's um he's a man of action um he's kind of known to be kind of rash kind of hasty possibly even irritable right when you look at luke in 10. <laughs> twenty-two, right um capable of great anger we saw that how he cut the man's ear off during gethsemane right he also denied Jesus three times. Even Jesus, even though Jesus said, you're going to do this, he said, I am absolutely not. He, he did, right? He was known to have been rebuked by Jesus more than once or twice. Living in Rome, I'm sure Peter also was feeling scared and discouraged and defeated. Oops. Um, yeah, so I'm sure he was feeling discouraged and defeated. So remember, the apostle... Paul was probably near death, if not already dead, and Peter was also probably getting close to the end of his life. So I believe this letter also was written to himself to encourage himself. Mm. So why did he write the letter, right? So Peter wrote this letter to the churches of Asia Minor that addressed issues that were similar to what we're going through. They too were feeling discouraged and hopeless, The churches and exiled Christian, Gentile Christians faced religious persecutions. A lot of us are facing those today. You know, being a Christian today in our modern day world, sometimes people don't even want to say they're Christians because now we're known as, oh, you guys are the ones that are against this or that. So it's actually a little intimidating today. But interestingly, Peter tells them that this hardship allows them to have a deeper faith in God. Through this faith comes hope. Wow, how can that happen, right? But I think of my testimony and I think of when I converted to Christ is when I was at the lowest, when I was thinking I wanted to die. So yeah, definitely our faith comes through with hope, right? And the freedom that God promises his people. Peter encouraged the church to hold fast to their faith. Not only would God deliver them from their obstacles, Peter was also emphasizing a freedom that only came from this faith. Peter also pulls back and talks about the Exodus story in the Old Testament.
0: So that's where this picture comes in. If you look at this picture right here, this picture is the Bible projects, basically cartoonish or, you know, whether they call it anime version of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and following. And notice this gird up your loins. And the reason why I wanted to use this picture because it related to our preparation for swimming. I swim. In order for us to prepare for the pier, Liz and I would swim twice a week at the YMCA at 5.30 in the morning. And I realized one thing, if you do not set your mind the night before and prepare and get your you know, stuff ready the night before, you're sunk in the morning. You're not going to get, a, I'm going to sleep in the gym. <laughs> so you have to mentally get yourself ready the night before so that you can be ready to get up in the morning at 5.05 and then get yourself to the gym and hopefully peacefully get yourself to the gym, <laughs> and then get in the pool, and then the water's cold, too, and then you have to swim, and you do 20 laps, but you have to do that. And we do that twice, uh, twice a week. So my point is that um, if you don't prepare the night before, I believe I, I put 505, which is kind of a symbol for SOS. <laughs> so, um, it's the same. in the same vein, Peter is telling the audience the same thing. Look what he says. Preparing. Look what his words. Therefore, with minds that are fully alert and sober, set your hope, and he says, on Jesus. So the reason why I wanted to say this, and we use the word discouragement in that swimming metaphor, is the opposite of of this is having dull minds. Mm. Putting our keeping our guards down. And then when we... Lower our guards, what can happen? Mm-hmm. Peter answers it in chapter 5 verse 8. When you swim, there's people, there's little fish swimming around, but there's also the bruises. Mm-hmm. There's the devils. First the ghost, then the devil, right? Amen. Right. First the holy ghost, then the devil. And Peter says, be alert and sober-minded. He uses the same exact wording that's here in chapter 1 as we're preparing for the wilderness experience, he's telling us in the day-to-day, be alert and be sober-minded because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, waiting to devour someone. And think about that. If you think of survival of the fittest and fish and stuff like that, sharks, who do they go after? ones so, off. So that's why he says we need to be fully alert. So I want you to think of just a little phrase that I caught when I was It's a chiastic structure. It's hope, not but holy. That's what's in this text. Therefore, with minds that are fully alert, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know, that's in chapter one, it's a song of praise. You know, I have a living hope, I have a future. God has a plan for me.
1: Of this I'm sure, of this I'm sure.
0: Jesus, you're my firm foundation, I know I can stand secure, Jesus, you're my firm foundation, I put my hope in your holy word. Well, that's Peter chapter 1. That's what he's saying. Don't forget what God has done for you. And he gave me the chills of singing that because I know I can't sing. (laughs) (laughs) But notice what he says about hope. Hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And then I thought it was interesting what he does. It's like the columns on a pier. When we swam, when you're in the vast ocean, I remember swimming there and panicking. You're not looking at the pier. You're in the midst of a sea of hundreds of people surrounded you, and I felt like the scene from the Titanic when it was sunk, all the people jumped off and you see all these people just floating around going nowhere. And when you swim, you can't tell if you're going anywhere because the shore is so far away, you can't have any mile markers. Well, the the columns on the pier are the mile mile markers, but the not but phrases in Peter are the mile markers throughout the letter. So here's a little, If you're a preacher or if you want to just do a study of Peter, here's all the verses that have these not-but statements. As God gave Moses, remember that allusion to the Exodus story of girding your loins in the Passover? As God gave Moses specific instructions for the Passover, which would lead to the Exodus, and I have to just say this as a preacher, think about how many years the Israelites were in bondage, 430 years. And for God to tell him, hey, gird your loins because tomorrow you're going to escape. Uh, yeah, right. Uh-huh. And he did it. All the firstborn Egyptians died, and in the morning they left. How fast it happened. Peter, as so as God gave Moses specific instructions for the Passover, the Exodus, Peter does the same for the church. But Peter's instruction starts with a negative statement, which turns into a positive statement. Think of discouragement turning to encouragement, signified by not-but-pattern used throughout the book. And here's the example, sandwiched in between hope and holiness, as obedient children. And I love this. Not defined children, obedient children. And he's talking to adults. And I always thought, when I came to Pepperdine, I'm going to cry, when it comes to sin, be like children, do not sin. Be humble and be afraid of it. Uh, you know, guys like Scott Lambert and Woody were the Christians here, and I was the pagan getting caught and doing dumb things. And I learned to be like this. Um, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. And then here's the butt part. But just as he called you as holy, so be holy in all you do. I like the phrase in the original Greek, and I'll be a little nerd since I did actually pay attention after the fact. Uh, So in all you do, holy be. The imperative is in what you do. And that's important throughout the letter, what Paul or Peter's trying to do is create two sides of a coin. The holiness is just the flip side of hope. This is where holiness comes in. As obedient children, do not conform to the desires you have when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And then, so to complete this transformation, think of yourselves. To just keep swimming, one must see Christian, the Christian hope and holiness as two sides of the same coin. And um, here's the picture again, just to look at it. Because if you look at it carefully... This is the beginning of the Passover exodus, and down here, what happened in the wilderness? They were still God's people. No matter what we do, we make mistakes. That's like, we're still God's people. Mm-hmm. Even if we're in the wilderness for 40 years.
1: Yes. So when we look at just keep swimming, again, this whole thought of you know, not just staying in one place and to keep moving, so just keep, just keep swimming is actually striving to make it to the other side, right? So you definitely want, and that that is where our hope comes in from. So just keep swimming swimming, means to go from discouragement to encouragement. So when you look at Peter, Peter is is kind of really addressing, you know, the whole thing of being right with God, you know, be doing what's right. So that's that whole vertical alignment with God. You definitely want to be in line with God. So in Mark 12, 28, 31, when asked by a Pharisee of all the commandments, which is the greatest, right? Jesus responded by saying, love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Right, Judy, I mean, I almost thought we could start seeing that, right? <laughs> but uh, shaman, love that. So this is a vertical relationship with God. So we need that. We need that before we do anything else. So then when moving to the next, because we are able to be aligned, because we're aligned with God, now God is calling us now to be aligned with others. How are we displaying this love that we have with God out now to our brothers, right? So people are looking at us. People are watching us. How are we dating? You know, what is our relationships with our dating? What are our relationships with our friends, with our peers, with people that we work with? Are they aligned with what God is aligning us to be? Um, What does our home life look like? You know, what does it look like at home? Our community, you know, are we just self-serving ourselves and just praising and worship God, or are we showing that outside? And most importantly, our marriages. You know, what is what is? Where are we with our marriages? Are our marriages aligned with God? So, horizontal acts. The horizontal aspect was just as important. If you must also, you must also love your neighbors as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus applied this horizontal code. The
0: holiness code. The
1: holiness code, oh. holiness the, code the greatest commandment, to what Peter is sharing with the churches.
0: So, as I meant, as we mentioned, Peter, what Peter does in verse 13 and 16 is what Jesus said in the Shema and the second aspect of the law. The second is no less great. Love your neighbor as yourself. And did you realize that he's quoting from Leviticus 19, either 19.2 or 11.44? And in those two aspects of Leviticus, he's talking about ritual holiness, you know, washing your hands and being right, ritual purity for priests, which is important. That's why we have to enter God's presence, holy, right? Be baptized or whatever it is that the Israelites did. But then there's also horizontal holiness, which is, if it's a 9-2, that's where Jesus quotes from, and that's where he says, tells the Israelites, oh, love your neighbor as yourself. It's in the context of don't hate your fellow Israelite. Be frank with them about your grudges, because it says love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus wanted to make sure the Pharisees who were trying to kill him Oh, you love God and know the Shema. I, sorry, I was in Hebrew this semester. So, was, you sound like a Pharisee. So that's what they were telling him. They love God, but they didn't apply it because Jesus knew they were trying to kill him. So he said, What Peter is doing, he's just gleaning off his master, he's just saying it differently. He's saying, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying, set your hope on Jesus and be holy because Jesus is holy. That's really the same message. So, um, anyways, that's the point. And basically, the metaphor we use is, think of it this way. If you forget everything we said, just keep moving. Go forward. And you never know even though you may have been suspended at Pepperdine University in 1983 and got caught cheating on a test. And uh, the elder that I had to fess up that was actually my science teacher, Lloyd Fraser, was an elder in the church. And then I had to take Jesus the Christ class, and it was Ron Tyler, who's a, a preacher out here, to get off academic probation. So God had his hand on me for a reason and became a preacher, and I repented, and I'm very grateful for that, and I think my family is too. Okay. So,
1: so our take back is, you know, we won't really need to remember things, so there are four things that need to take place in order to go from discouragement to encouragement.
0: Oh, this is my dealer. Remember we talked about the devil prowls around like a roaring lion? Um, to just keep swimming, one must be mentally alert and ready for the daily routines of life. So, um, with minds that are fully alert... And then I mentioned that text in 5.18. It's also mentioned in four, um, chapter 4, verse 2, this alertness. So that's something that was important, that he was telling the Gentile Christians, stay alert. Remember, 20 years later, Peter was already had been crucified. John was in prison in Patmos. And then you get the book of Revelation written. So there's a lot of persecution going on in this area. And the Gentiles, it was easy for them to just compromise. forget: I'm just going to worship the God in Rome so that I won't get... Killed like Antiochus did in Pergamon. You know, these these guys, 11 and 12 apostles were martyred. Serious stuff. A man will not die for something he does not believe in or a woman. Amen?
1: Amen. Our next point is hope in Jesus. To just keep swimming, one must put one's hope in Jesus. He will see you through. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. First Peter.
0: So this one says it all, don't look back. So I'm gonna end my little phrase instead of telling you, I'm gonna tell you what happened. So there I was in the middle, 400 yards away from the shore, 400 yards away from the end of the pier, and I looked back and I said, this is dumb, I'm going back. So I guess what I did? I started swimming back. I started swimming back, but the D group was coming. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember going back and I said, this is dumb, I'm going back, I don't care what they say, and they (laughs) make fun of me. And I saw a little kid swimming next to me, dog paddling. How <laughs> 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 in the world is he going to be? And he was, must have been about six years old and he was dog paddling by himself. And then I felt bad. I got over myself and I told him, hey, you okay? And he couldn't even breathe. I go, just follow me. And I turned over on my back and I started to calm down. And I looked up. And I saw my son. Dad, you can do it. And I saw my grandson walking around him. You
1: can do it. <laughs> so I
0: started swimming, and I didn't even care about the fact that my wife was out there somewhere either. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> you, know, you awesome. hope, right? So <laughs> for himself. So just keep swimming. One must, don't look bad. Leave behind one's past. That's what Peter is saying to the church and to us. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: And my story, the way that ended, of course, you know, I didn't get dragged from the, earth, the, the lake. Right? But while I was in my despair, I didn't even notice, but somebody swam up to me and came up to me, like my angel, like Bob had an angel, came up to me and said, hey, do you need help? And I'm like, uh, and you're a right? Because I could have said, I'm drowning, but in my own pride, I didn't want people to know that I was in dire need. How dumb, right? I could have sunk in drown. But yet, somebody saw that. That's important. Somebody saw that I needed help and not even did he come up to me and say, here, you know, to kind of drag me away. He said, do you need help? And I said, no, I'm okay. No, I'm okay. I'm drowning him. No, I'm okay. He goes, let's just swim. Just let's swim. So we did end up just swimming to where my family was. And that was like, I didn't need to hang on to anybody. So I didn't need to be saved, but I needed that person to come alongside me. So, even though my horizontal here was, I mean, my vertical was here with God, somebody else was watching. So, my message to you guys is be there. You may not be screaming those silent screams of dying, but there are your brothers and sisters who are, yeah. and they need support. Come alongside them. That vertical relationship isn't just one way, but you, know, you can go and help somebody, even though you don't, you don't know they're screaming, but you kind of know. We all, we all have those hunches of those who are struggling. Come alongside them and see how you can help. Because you won't have to rescue them, but just walking that path together is gold. is gold. So mirror holiness. Just to keep swimming, one must mirror holiness of God. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. First Peter says that. So in other words, just keep swimming.
0: So I, I have to end it because some people here that are very dear to me, it helped uh, change my life. When I walked in dorm 10 as a pagan, I remember a guy was at the front door and he said, Hey, what's the secret password to get in the dorm? (laughs) And I'm from East LA and I said, this, (laughs) My guess. (laughs) So, uh, I'm grateful that I changed and I thank you for Woody, Scott, Uh, you guys are very dear to me, you know, and you think about when you're on the outside looking in. Who am I going to be like? And what people are going to be the role models for me? So find those people in your life. And uh, now I'm in that position. And so let's pray. beware of Bruce. Yeah. Okay? That's <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. That's our so, class.
1: Uh, Lord God, we just thank you for this class, Lord. We thank you for everybody sitting here, Lord. We pray, Lord, if there are any, Lord, in dire need and have those silent screams, I pray, Lord, that they have those that swim next to them and just say, Hey, I'm with you. Be with them, Lord. Be with this class, Lord. I thank you that you help us to be in a place, Lord, but Lord, help us not to be stuck. Help us, Lord, as we have learned just to keep swimming, Lord. We thank you and we love you.